Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to M-Class Podcast, the Star Trek podcast for the average fan. I'm your host, Jeff. And on this specific episode of M-Class, don't interrupt me, Kevin. Sorry. On this, <laughs> as you may have guessed, Kevin Cole is the guest here today because Josh is, <laughs> Josh is a sicky sick boy. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm happy I'm happy to be here. I'm excited and nervous, and it's gonna be great. We can do this, Jeff. <laughs> Look, we do a whole other podcast together. It'll be fine. <laughs> Jeff, I can't stress this enough. I'm a poor substitute for Josh, but I'm gonna do my best to make uh, make make some of the comments I imagined he would have made. About this oh episode. my god, we have like real faux Josh in this episode. <laughs> okay, so this specific episode we're going to be talking about today is a Star Trek Enterprise episode, which is great because uh, Kevin's never watched Enterprise before. Nope. <laughs> and uh, the episode that we chose is Season 2, Episode 25, Bounty, which uh, some people might know is the episode where we first meet some Tellarites. And other people might know is the episode where T'Pol really wants to get her fucks on. <laughs> it's so good. I, I mean, so. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, my impressions of Enterprise, having only seen this episode, is it better just be all Tellarites all the time. Because <laughs> I love this... the bearded space dwarves that are obsessed with arguments and rhetoric. That was, like, precision designed for me. It's true. It's so far up your alley that it's almost like you created them. Yeah, yeah. It's a little. I feel. I feel seen and and a little bit targeted. <laughs> um, so this episode may have been a poor choice for Kevin's first foray into the show. Although there are quite a lot of episodes that get the CW treatment, since this show was on CW when it first became CW. Oh my god, really? Uh, where just ladies get almost naked for seemingly no reason. <laughs> it happens a few times throughout Enterprise. I mean, the CW has moved on to having dudes be naked and do muscle things for no reason, which is, uh, I guess, parody in some Way. Uh, we're getting we're getting somewhere close to sort of an equilibrium with like most of the chest showing on men and women, but I feel like we have a long way to go for that. It's beautiful, really. Get on it, CW. I believe in you. Um, I don't think it would surprise anybody to know that this episode was written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, the showrunners of Enterprise. Um, Rick Berman, standard creep, as everybody knows. <laughs> Um, Brandon Braga, next level sex weirdo. Whoa, yeah. Um, <laughs> Kevin doesn't know about this, so no. I'll explain it for Kevin and the audience. Uh, Brandon Braga is a next level sex weirdo. <laughs> he gave um, an interview where he went into loving detail about how he loves giant women oh, and the yeah. concept of giant women because he wants to crawl up into a vagina. That's his ultimate sexual desire. I feel like that's a fairly harmless sexual desire. <laughs> well, the problem in that comes, one, um, this was an interview about Star Trek for a Star Trek magazine. Oh, no. <laughs> and two, um, he was also a... Um, 
I don't know how to put it in a way that won't get me sued by Brandon Braga if he hears this. A um, sex weirdo. Um, he was a sex weirdo with the women he dated as well. Oh no! Like taking the like forcing them to go to strip clubs with him no. and like trying to do like wife swapping party shit with them whether they wanted to do it or not. Okay, so he's and just kind of a dirtbag. He is a dirtbag. Next think, level sex weirdo. I don't think he can get in legal trouble for calling someone a dirtbag. <laughs> well. We'll see. All right. Um, what might actually surprise people, though, is this episode was directed by a woman. Huh. Uh, specifically, it was directed by Roxanne Dawson, better known as Star Trek Voyager's Lieutenant Belana Torres. She actually directed ten episodes of Enterprise. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like Josh would have had something like interesting to say there, and I just couldn't summon it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt you. I felt like the tension coming through the microphone. It's I was, fine. I was just paralyzed with like, uh oh, say something smart. Nope, it's gone. <laughs> Kevin, you don't have to be Josh on the podcast. You can be Kevin. Okay. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> the um the takeaway from that for me is I didn't even know Roxanne Dawson had uh directed anything, let alone twelve episodes of Star Trek. She did two episodes of Voyager as well. Uh, I wish she would have been able to direct a good show, but <laughs> we watched another episode together that had uh, that had weird sex things in it, and was also directed by a woman. Oh, w- were you on board for the episode with the uh, with the racist planet? No, I think I was. The, I think I, it was the one where Troy gets uh, space pregnant. Oh, yeah, and she, like, has a child, and the child becomes her personality, not unlike the real world when people have a baby. (laughs) Uh, Damn. Take that, people who are bringing the next generation into this world. Harsh parental burn. (laughs) Fucking all parents suck my dick. I don't know. I feel like I've seen some some parents who didn't let their kids become their personality and instead became terrible parents. Yeah, so maybe I there's mean, a balance to be had. There, there are always those people who let their kids become their personality and are also terrible parents. So I feel like the the whole rainbow of choices is out there for being bad and not great and having kids at the same time. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion in the matter. Got him. Um, this episode's the gist of this episode is um, in previous. Um, Episodes: Captain Archer, mm. Scott Bakula, yeah, Mister Quantum Leap himself, yes, has run up a bounty in the Klingon Empire for doing all kinds of non-Klingon shit, just yep. all sorts of gross humy shit out there in space. <laughs> and uh, so the Klingons send a bounty hunter after Archer, and uh, meanwhile. T'Pol gets a microbe that puts her into Pond Far, which is just an excuse to have a super horny lady on this show. Okay, I have very many questions. Bring me the questions. Bring them to my feet! Alright, question number one is, uh, why do Klingons look like they do in TNG and not like they do in uh, the original series? Because... Next question! Okay. Question after that. Is... There have been there have been like real like haphazard ass like explanations of why that happened. Yeah, there's Deep actually Nine. a uh, there's Deep actually Nine. a shitty explanation in Enterprise even about why that happened. Didn't uh, 
didn't Deep Space Nine say there was some sort of like infection that made them um, made their foreheads weird or something like that? Deep Space Nine has a scene where they go back in time and it's the trouble with Tribble or trials yeah. and tribulations. They yeah. go back to the TOS episode Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. And they ask Worf why the Klingons don't have forehead ridges, and he says, "We do not discuss it with outsiders." Yes, I love and that's that. the perfect answer for that. <laughs> um, Enterprise had a whole series of episodes where they get a um, they try to make super soldier Klingons. Yes, and it creates a genetic viral anomaly that gets rid of their forehead ridges. Oh. Um, and then later they <laughs> fix it, I guess. Because the TOS Klingons come back in Deep Space Nine and they all have forehead ridges, so. Oh, yeah, they do. Who the fuck knows? Uh, hey, did you know that the guy who plays Kang in TOS and Deep Space Nine was the voice of Mr. Freeze in the Batman the Animated Series? I love Mr. Freeze. He's the best in that show. I like Mr. Freeze is actually my favorite Batman villain of all time. It's it's either him or the Riddler for me, and it's both because of Batman the Animated Series that I feel that way. <laughs> I mo- I, I probably I like Mister Freeze from like a lot of different media, even when he's like sh- uh, the the Freezinator. Oh, you um, love fucking Arnold, I mean, Mister Freeze. <laughs> I mean, that's silly and fun, but uh, his incarnation in Arkham City was very very good. It's one of my oh, favorite yeah. boss fights of all time. Is really good. You have to think your way through that boss fight. It's yeah. not just mashing your punch button. Because he's a smart, smart boy in a, in a refrigerator. <laughs> I feel like the Arkham games use the Riddler perfectly. And yes. that Batman never interacts with him. He's always just like leaving these dumb riddles and shit for him that he has... Puzzles he has to solve. Yeah, I mean, I think I tried to 100% Arkham City and all those fucking question marks were just not worth it. Yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> Arkham City is the last one that I really got into. Like, I love that game, and mm. I love Arkham Asylum. Yeah. I cannot stand Arkham Knight, a.k.a. the Batmobile game. Yeah, I didn't... I, I, I missed that one. <laughs> you um, you spend more time in the Batmobile than you do anything else in I that mean... game. And the Batmobile gameplay is very unfun. It's just a tank that somehow doesn't kill people, right? It's a go-fast yeah. tank that doesn't kill anyone. It shoots. A, it has 80 machine guns on it, but somehow no one dies. <laughs> uh, um, fine. They don't have that in space no, in Star Trek, good, though. Good, good loop around. Good loop around. Um, Dude, I'm the best at it. Segways, call me in. I know what I'm doing. My third question is, why are these two plot lines together? Um, that's a good question that you would have to ask uh, Rick Berman and professional <laughs> sex weirdo Brandon Braga. Did, did they, like, what, did, what? I think I do have an answer for that, now that I'm looking at the written-by credits. Okay. Uh, the story is by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, so all of the writing in this episode is by them. Okay. The teleplay, a.k.a. the way the writing is put together on the page for the actors, is written by three fucking people. Oh. So I'm guessing it's just a jumbled mess that they put together out of plots that they just had around. I feel like I feel like there's the... So there's the A-plot of um, doughy white captain guy has been kidnapped and all his doughy white friends don't you ever talk about archer that way in my presence again (laughs) 
don't I don't get why he's good. <laughs> makes uh, makes space great again with Captain Archer. He starts out as like a giant sp- like spacist. He fucking hates all aliens, especially Vulcans, but he like really learns and grows as a character. Okay. As he goes along and by the end he's like the guy who's pulling for the Federation to happen. So he's like Ashley in Mass Effect, except I don't think Ashley ever becomes less of a space racist. No. Uh, <laughs> Ashley is a spacist until she dies and I don't have to deal with her anymore. <laughs> um, in whatever playthrough I'm playing. Um, so he, he grows as a character. Archer is not anywhere near my favorite captain. There's just something novel about the fact that he's played by Scott Bakula, yeah. I guess. Why are there so many doughy white guys on this show? Uh, that's a weird problem with this show is that, like, I don't know who these characters are. Like, I've watched a ton of it, and I complained when I first started watching that I couldn't tell half the cast apart. Yeah. Because they're all just white guys. And the, uh, like, uh, maybe maybe I remember this wrong, but I don't think any of the uniforms are different to tell you who's, whose job is what. Well, they are, but they're very slightly different. They have these lines on the shoulders that are just, like, maybe, like, two inches wide, like thick, maybe three inches thick, and there are these lines that go around the shoulders that are in yellow, blue, and red that tell you the different divisions. They're so subtle that uh, the Enterprise uniform sucks, and I don't like it. <laughs> I guess I guess that's more like realistic. Like I guess that's more in line with like our modern military. Yeah, it's like a space shit. space jumpsuit like you would wear now, but that's boring. I'm not watching my sci-fi for it to be fucking boring. <laughs> I mean, this episode was many things, but it wasn't boring. <laughs> no. Like I've already seen this episode several times before because I love Tellarites and they're only in like eight episodes out of all Star Trek. Unfortunately. I have to watch every Tellarite episode because I absolutely <laughs> love. I love the Tellarites. There are a couple Tellarite episodes in TOS, actually, where there are a few Tellarites, but they have like real kind of like slightly disturbing bad masks. And I love it, but other people don't. Um, what, what's Doctor Guy? Phlox? Flocks, yeah. Flocks. What? What's his? He's a Denebulan, I Got think. Denobulan, I forget. He's his own race. It's not like one of the um, super well-known races. Okay, I, I, I actually quite enjoyed him <laughs> as a sexually awkward person. <laughs> Doctor Flocks is probably the one of the best parts of this show. Like, I like Archer. Okay, he he grows on you and everything. Um... Uh, and Flox is the other good part. Like, everybody else is so bland and boring on yeah. this show. It very much is a plot-driven show. It's not like TNG or Deep Space Nine or even TOS where, like, the characters have very distinct personalities. I, I feel like Flox is very close to Dr. Zoidberg in that it's weird <laughs> that the non-human is doing all the surgery on the humans. It's true. He, like, knows what he's doing, but he's also, like, a huge, like, he's, like, almost a quack, and then he knows exactly what he's doing, but he's always trying to find all these new, ridiculous ways to fix up bodies and everything. He's like, oh, I found this leech on this planet that'll, that, like, leeches viruses from people. I'm gonna try that on you guys. I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm in for that, like... 
I feel like that's what uh, Bashir would be doing if he was on a mobile station, is just being like, what's this plant do? <laughs> Bashir, like, we're going to tangent a little bit in this episode, I'm sure, um, yeah. since we already have a bunch. Bashir as a character probably changes the most out of any Star Trek character from the first appearance to the last appearance. Yeah, Bashir has layers. Like, he's a different person with everyone he interacts with, which is why I like him so much. He, yeah, he's a, he's a cool character. Yeah. And my favorite aspect of his personality is his friendship with O'Brien. Yes. Because that's the most realistic friendship I've ever seen in television. Yeah, it's uh, it's love. Like, they like they love each other. And it's, yeah. it's great. Like, it's, and they, they, like, take the piss out of each other. They, like, spend all their time just acting like fools together and having fun. It's great. You don't have any of that in Enterprise. Like, this is a military vessel. It's a science and exploration vessel, but, like, it's very military in the way it's run. Yeah, and I I think that's why the uh, Tellarites were the, the, like, shining part of this episode for me, because there was actual human drama in in, in their interactions. That's very true. Like... The I guess the core three characters on this show are supposed to be Captain Archer, mm-hmm. Paul, who's like of course like the Spock type character. Yeah. And um I guess fucking like Trip Tucker. I don't know. Like I don't know who's the third guy. <laughs> Trip is the one that He's the blonde guy, the southern guy. Okay. I don't think he he did he was the C plot, I guess, in this. Like, yeah, he was trying to find Archer the whole episode, and that's it. And the other white guy is Malcolm Reed. He's the one with the British accent. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, he is th- the worst security chief. <laughs> like, he's so boring. I'm sorry. They're all they're all boring. They're all just weird doughy thumb people. <laughs> the, the craziest part to me is like you get a lot of like character development out of Archer and T'Pol especially mm-hmm. and Phlox is fun to watch. He's always a fun character. Um, all the rest of the characters have almost no personality. Like well, the uh, helmsman, yeah. Merriweather, and is I don't know what his personality is. I've watched almost the whole show at this point. I don't know what his personality is. Well, like, Archer is supposed to be proto-Kirk, right? They're... I mean, like, a little bit. He He's very much, like... He's even more rough around the edges than, like, movie Kirk to begin with. Yeah. And he smooths out and becomes... By the end of the series, he's, like, a super diplomat. The other thing that's rough around the edges in, uh, in, in, in Enterprise is the CGI... <laughs> Well, it's 2003 on the CW, sir. I mean, yeah, and it shows. <laughs> yeah, like we talk, we talk about quite often how Enterprise is a direct response to 9/11. Whoa, what? Okay, um, all right. Now I'm putting it in context. There, like Enterprise started in 2001, and or, or like 2002, like near the end of 2001 or beginning of 2002. 9/11 had already happened. Yeah. And the show is all about, like, outside threats that we don't understand and us, like, wading into this world that we've, like, not been a part of for a long time. Uh. And um, 
it handles that a lot better than any of the other TV shows that responded to 9-11 did. Because, okay. I mean, 24 is basically, like, torture porn for baby boomers who, yeah. like, they want to see a white guy punch a Muslim. Like... <laughs> That is not what Enterprise is in any way, shape, or form. It's all about, like, we go out here and we meet these people and we first have all these differences between us that we can't seem to, like, bridge. And as the show goes along, we do bridge those differences, whether they seem insurmountable or not, because we're all just people. Right. Like, that happens a ton with the Andorians, who are an ancient warrior race that follows a credo that we don't. What are they? Um, Do they have cool foreheads? They have, they're they blue and have white hair and they have antenna. Okay, that's a lot. They're really cool. They, they like started in TOS just like the Andorians did. Basically, the Enterprise people were like, Hey, who founded the Federation? And they okay. were like, well, I don't know. In the one episode where the like representatives from all the Federation planets come together, the ones that talk the most are the Andorians and the and the Tellarites. So they founded it with the Vulcans and humans. Okay, these guys are pretty cool. They they create like I've always talked about how um Star Trek is like D and D in space. Yep. And they're like the ice race. Like the cold <laughs> people race. And of course the Tellarites are dwarves. They're like space miners with yeah. beards. And the Vulcans are obviously elves. And it's that's sort of the um, the basis of the Federation is like Tolkien's, you know, we all have to work together to stop Sauron. It's the it's the fellowship, but the world isn't dying. <laughs> no. The universe is gonna get fucked though if you don't get together. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of threats that come up. Um We've talked enough at this moment, I think. Um leading up to the episode when we come yes. back from this commercial break we will um dive into the episode and actually fucking talk about it i swear yeah sorry i mean you're welcome <laughs> we'll be right back after Bye -bye. these messages tonight enterprise's two-hour event continues to paul's vulcan mating cycle kicks in and she's out of control there's no reason to be restrained by human morality now she must mate within 24 hours or die don't be frightened i won't hurt you welcome back ladies and gentlemen i'm here with kevin cole hello the internet's goodest boy oh right no here. <laughs> I'm all we have. That's it, buddy. It doesn't get any better than this. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. You guys deserve way better. You are so full of shit. Everybody loves you, Kevin. It's because you're great. Oh, no. Accept it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, the episode... This episode begins with uh, the original Enterprise, the NX-01 which is not the actual original Enterprise since it was a battleship and then like a HMS Enterprise and shit but yeah was, anyway yeah there was there was yeah there was an HMS Enterprise in the Faith of the Heart montage I saw yeah <laughs> song fucking slaps yeah so um, out of place it's, it really is like you listen my favorite thing is somebody made a video on YouTube that has all the openings from Star Trek <laughs> and 
it, it just goes, it like sections off from Voyager. Voyager's ends. And then fucking Faith of the Heart starts. And then even afterwards, it goes into like the 2009 songs. And I was like, one of these things is not like the other. I feel like, I feel like this puts Enterprise exactly between like the Star Trek we all love and the movies you guys live to hate. I mean, I would say that's fairly... No, I wouldn't say that's accurate. It very much presents itself in that way. Yeah. But, um, it was... It's like a Trojan horse. It's like, (laughs) see, we're a fucking hip rock ballad fucking... Your dad's gonna love this show. (laughs) But then you watch it, and it is your grandpa's Star Trek. So... (laughs) Um, so there, the original Enterprise, the original Space Enterprise is um, hanging out at a planet where they're going to do some shore leave. They're on the planet studying it. And um, Archer and his best friend, who gives a fuck, come up from the surface. And they've been rock climbing because they're best friends. Remember when Bashir and O'Brien did that? Yeah, and they fucking negged each other <laughs> and implied that the other one was fat. <laughs> Yeah, they should, O'Brien can sure call Bashir fat. <laughs> anyway, I'm um, like, that's some toxic masculinity in this elevator right here. <laughs> look, they for sure sucked each other's dick right afterwards. It's fine. Okay, well that makes it so, fun. They um, a ship shows up and uh, hails them, and it's a Tellarite. Oh boy, Yay. we finally get to see a Tellarite, and he looks pretty cool. He's he looks. A lot less like a guy wearing a fake pig mask and a beard. His uh, <laughs> and the TOS ones. His his um his outfit isn't very flattering. It sort of it sort of cleaves off a lot of skin at the neck. But I, I, yeah. overall, I like this design a lot. I like the Tellarites a lot. I really wish that we would see more of them. I, even in Discovery, when they had the opportunity to have all the aliens we know and love, they mostly just made new ones. Yeah. For the main cast. And uh, Tellarites have shown up like twice. There's like one guy. There's one Tellarite. And he's in the, from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> of course. I just want to see more Chonko uh, space races. None of these like fucking ripped or svelte el- like space elves. Give me a chunky dwarf lad. <laughs> <laughs> like the weird thing is Tellarites are supposed to be shorter than humans. But like. The guy they got to play a Tellarite has to be, like, 6'5". Because he's taller than everybody else in the whole show. Yeah, I don't think they're ever really in the same frame together. I couldn't I couldn't really get a beat on who was taller than who. Um, but, like, if you see the photo of the Tellarite delegation talking to Archer, they all come up to his shoulder. Oh, okay. They're, they're much shorter than, than uh, humans, on average. I mean, I'm here for the dwarves, so that works for yeah. me. I love that they're space dwarves. They gotta be a little shorter. That's what makes them space dwarves. I love it. Like, I could rip this whole plot and make a, like, not 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 the other plot that we haven't gotten into yet, but I could rip the whole... You gotta put the whole thing in there, dude. You gotta use the whole plot. (laughs) I could rip that off for, like, a good, like, D&D episode. I feel like there's something, there's something really good there you throw you throw both of these plots into space kings right uh, and one of your characters has to get space horny that's uh, kill cat <laughs> <laughs> he goes into heat yeah it works perfectly yeah 
Spay and so, neuter your Catonians. <laughs> That's probably like a hate campaign on Claws oh, 2. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Now that I think about it, that's not great to say. No, but um, but seriously, like, spay new to your cats. The uh, the Tellerite's like, hey, I can show you guys where to go on the on the planet to get that primo beach space. And because humans are uh, apparently incredibly stupid in the in the early days of interstellar I guess. travel, it's like they just got out into space like a year ago. At this point, everything they've met has tried to kill them. So I don't know why the fuck they're so trusting in this episode. Is there a gas leak on the Enterprise? Uh, God, that would explain so much. The, like the only way I would really accept the fact that our bounty hunter, uh, whose name I didn't catch, his his name is Bounty Huntsman. Bounty Huntsman. Um, the only way, like, if if that was like a trait of his specifically, that he was like a fast talking, charming guy, like, and then he used that against the Klingons somehow, like if that that's came what, up again later, I could. That's what it is, dude. That's who he is. <laughs> I could I could accept that, but it never comes up again that he can persuade people that we're just going on a vacation. <laughs> He's fucking you guys going on vacation. I know the primo spots, and they're like, "Fucking come over, dude, show us." And then he walks in, and like I guess they don't have anything yet that tells if somebody brings a weapon on board, even though they know if someone fired it. And he just like shoots the captain and the first all and not the first officer, but like the in- head engineer, and just kidnaps the captain. There's no security team with them. Yeah, isn't that a job for your British guy? Like, shouldn't he no. be down there? He hangs out on the bridge. They're like, well, he's no threat, this Tellarite. So just go ahead and go down. I'll hang out here. Yeah, let's put our most important guy, lightly guarded, in the doorway for this dude to conveniently like. Is the uh, uh. <laughs> Kevin is not enjoying the security measures on board the Enterprise NX-01. Like, and you know what? Neither am I. Like, usually I'm okay with them doing whatever needs to happen for the cool part of the plot to happen. Like, in general, if that's what you gotta do to make the story happen, just do it and I'll get over it. But if this is supposed to be about hyper-militaristic, jingoist space fantasy... Like, have some procedure in your procedural drama. They got none. It's <laughs> Come on board. It's fine. Or, and also, apparently, they're like, uh, they're like docking systems have clamps that do nothing. Because the Tellarite just pulls his ship off and flies away. Oh, my God. He fucking, he fucking teabags them on the way out. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking, like, two giant robot arms come out of his ship, double birds at him the whole way across space. Like, this dude rules. I love him. And he's like, and Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed, in command, security <laughs> chief, just lets it all happen. Yeah. And then he's like, fuck, we gotta follow him. <laughs> meanwhile. <laughs> meanwhile, our B plot happens where all the scientists from who were down on the surface of this. Uh, obscure planet that nobody's heard of. That we come back. That we haven't seen, and we will never see. Budget does not cover this. There is no exterior. There never is. It's Star Trek. There is never a budget for an exterior scene. Like if there's an exterior scene, it will happen on a planet that has weather patterns and foliage roughly similar to Southern California. <laughs> yeah. 
just that's that's how it is. He, that's like, space, baby. Sentient <laughs> beings have have like a vaguely human shape, and most planets are like Southern California. Look, uh, budget is all. Budget is. Yeah. So, um, Sub Commander T'Pol, first officer of the ship, and Doctor Flox, the medical officer. It's important that you keep in mind how important they are to the ship. Yeah. And the level of prestige that goes along with these positions they have for what happens next. Otherwise, otherwise, what what happens next? You might think that these two individuals are very dumb. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's, they're like, oh, we've got a micro. We need to go to decontamination. Yeah. And uh, T'Pol's like, I don't want to. And he's like, wow, for some reason, I don't notice that you're acting out of character right now. Not yet, anyway. I mean, in the future, bedside manner is just as unimportant to doctors as That's it is true. now. <laughs> And, of course, this being a CW show, Dr. Flox is like, I'm going to prescribe you getting naked and rubbing gel all over yourself. He puts a curtain up like a gentleman, but also the sex gel. The gross, goopy, like, thigh-slapping montage that follows. The treasure trail, the... (laughs) The thing is, I don't watch Star Trek. Never in my life, even during my teenage years, did I watch Star Trek... To crank my dick off. That never has happened in my life. But apparently the CW was like, that's the audience. That's who we want. It's a workplace drama. And this is inappropriate for the workplace. It's true. As Flox points out later. It's good that there's no HR on board the Enterprise NX-01. Because T'Pol would be under quite a few sanctions. (laughs) To... Because she tries to sexually assault every man she comes across in this episode. (laughs) I mean... I mean... It's... She must be she must be like in in the like throes of Ponfar, is it? Yeah, Ponfar space horniness. (laughs) Because I mean there's not there's not a lot of pickings on that ship. No, I mean, I don't know if Dr. Phlox would have been my first choice or whatever, but I guess they're locked in decontamination together, so it's him or nobody. I mean, he's got... He's he's got, like, the weird... Like, the weird treasure trail on his chest. Yeah, he's like a weird puffer fish man, but I guess beggars can't be choosers? I don't know. The thing about Pond 4 is that if you don't fuck, you die. Like your your brain aneurysms. Oh, okay. So that wasn't a that wasn't a, a euphemism. <laughs> no, she was being a hundred percent serious. Like you either have to. You got three choices. Okay. You can fuck. Yeah. You can murder. <laughs> or you can um, go into like th- this like trance that takes over your entire being where you can't move for three days. I mean, uh, th- all three of those are moods. Yeah, I mean, we've all been to each of them, right? <laughs> so, Ponfar, like, is there a similar sounding term that that's like a that's like a um, a Vulcan like spouse like like I feel like Ponfar is kind of like that's that term sounded familiar. Well, but... there's a there's a whole episode of TOS where. Um, Spock goes into Ponfar. Okay. And they take him back to a planet where he's supposed to marry this woman that he's been like linked with. 
Okay. Uh, she does not want to marry him, though. So she challenges him to Kulifanafi, Kulitanafi, I forget, but it's Vulcan for marriage or challenge. Okay. And she gets to choose a champion to fucking fight him to the death for the right to marry her. Awesome. And she chooses Kirk. <laughs> So Kirk and Spock have to fucking, like, fight with these, like, sticks with blades on the end of them. Oh, my God. And the only reason Spock doesn't die from brain aneurysm is that he thinks he kills Kirk. And it satisfies his uh, lust or bloodlust. It's oh, the same thing. So for... just throw him in the fucking holodeck and don't tell him. Well, that's the thing that happens in Voyager. They use the holodeck to get the... You know the guy that the M-Class Discord is always using to be Tapon when they make images and shit? Yeah. He's in Voyager, and he uses the holodeck so that he doesn't get fuck crazy. And so, so does Tuvok. So you, you can't just J.O. Like, the Ponfar no. knows that... that. The, if you J.O., it's like... Your pawn far is like, nah, dude, you're gonna die. You gotta, you gotta get some ass. It has to happen. Another pawn far question is, uh, are is this the only time Vulcans are sexually active? Uh, nobody knows. Wow. Vulcans are very um, private. That's the thing. Is like this is the first time any human finds out about pawn far. And the thing is, she requests, or any non-Vulcan, because Phlox is the only one that really finds out about it. Yeah. Everybody else is like, oh, she had a microbe. <laughs> um, he doesn't enter anything into the Starbase record or Starfleet records or anything about this. So when it happens in TOS, nobody knows why the fuck Spock is losing his mind for a while. <laughs> That's great. And Spock's like, I'm just really fucking horny kirk all right oh yeah they covered their ass there because um to paul was like don't tell anyone that's that's the story of enterprise hey don't tell anybody about this so it can happen in tos later oh i mean <laughs> oh <laughs> there's there's all these like alien races that you don't meet until way later that like they meet in Enterprise, but they don't actually see them face-to-face, -face, so it's technically still okay. <laughs> like, the first time anyone sees Romulans is in TOS, but Romulans are in a, a huge portion of Enterprise. But nobody ever sees them, so it's fine. Gotcha. Well, that might, that, that tracks with Romulan. Like, yeah, it also tracks with the way they're described in TOS as having as like no one's ever seen anything but their ships. Hmm. Yeah, so it makes sense. All right, I kind of like that though. Um, it makes less sense when it's um Ferengi. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Are Ferengi in the original series? No, they're in TNG. Okay, but the Ferengi first time the first time anybody has contact with Ferengi is uh. Picard and TNG. I think. I'm, I feel like I'm right about that, but if I'm wrong, scroll down to the comments section and you'll find out. <laughs> and do the Ferengi show up at all in Enterprise? Yeah. Awesome. I love the Ferengi. <laughs> Ferengi are great. Like, Ferengi are a great metaphor for us, and yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can definitely see like the Enterprise meeting the Ferengi and then being like, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, T'Pol wants to fuck and Phlox doesn't. Yep. And Phlox never particularly explains why he doesn't want to fuck. I chalk it up to the fact that she's... He, 
she's like under the influence of something he doesn't understand. So he's like, I don't want to take advantage. Um, he also says that uh, his species, like the males, tend to be like more um, sexually reserved or something which like that. D- which doesn't make all that much sense since he has three wives. And also, all of their relationships are open in Denobulan society. Well, I mean, maybe maybe he's just fucking, like, not feeling it. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely chalk it up to, like, I don't want to have sex with a drunk girl, which is great. Flock should not want to do that. Yeah, and you don't have to you don't you don't have to enter into any sexual situation that you are uh, even the littlest bit uncomfortable with. It's true. You don't really need a reason not to have sex. It's true. <laughs> um, but like, it's at a certain point. If I was Doctor Flox and like I knew it was just pawn far or whatever, I would be like, "Fucking fine, just shut up." I mean, just shut the fuck up. I mean, also like Vulcans are super strong, right? That's true. You don't know Denobulan's penile strength, so... Yeah, you could... Uh, and, like, you could get your pelvis shattered or something, and you're yeah, the only I'm, doctor on board. <laughs> I'm not into that. I'm not into that at all. Um, I mean... Like, uh... It makes you wonder, like... Do Vulcans have, like, non-heterosexual relationships... They gotta. Star Trek doesn't cover this shit. That's the problem. Like, there's nothing in Star Trek about being gay until very recently, and even then, it's like, hey, we have one gay guy and one other gay guy. Well, imagine, (laughs) imagine like two Vulcans like on a remote like science team or whatever, and they're both dudes, and the pawn far hits, and they don't want to murder each other, (laughs) and they're and like the and the chemistry has been brewing, and they're both consenting adults. Like, uh huh. Tell me how this fan fiction is. <laughs> I want to hear this. Is it Spock? I feel is it like Spock and Tuvok. Yeah, I feel like it's just Spock and Tuvok fucking in the mud on some planet in the boonies. Oh shit! <laughs> Hold on, we're gonna have to take a break real quick. Now, um, so uh, after after all this goes down, they're like stuck in decontamination together. We go back to the bridge, mm. and um, it turns out that our hero, the Tellarite bounty hunter, has destroyed one of the nacelles on the Enterprise. He's shot it. Yeah. So it's going to take an hour to fix it, which means that the Enterprise is one hour behind their quarry in fucking space. Yeah, and isn't isn't the uh, Tellarite ship faster as well? No, the Tellarite ship is actually a hunk of junk. The oh, okay. ship that the uh, um oh right the ship he wants he to get back own, yeah okay. it was faster. We'll get there. But uh, Archer wakes up on the Tellarite ship and he's in like the oldest school force field room because normally force fields are just like lights that are on the edge of the room. Yeah, but they're actual like um, halogen bulbs yeah. in front of him. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a uh, like at fr- when I first saw that I'm like you can just crawl underneath that, but then they like were like no you can't just crawl underneath it. That was like straight up D and D. Like what the fuck I can crawl out of this? No you can't. DM says there's no. a force field. <laughs> DM says try it. <laughs> but like Archer's like where the fuck are you taking me or whatever, and he's like. Uh, He's like, do you want to spend the rest of this trip unconscious or not? And Archer kind of, like, sits back down, like, no. no. Like, I would have been like, fucking shoot me then, idiot. 
Like, I don't care. <laughs> is um is the penal colony of Ruripenthe brought up before that or after that? Um, I think it's brought up after that. Okay. Because uh, basically, um, the Tellerate bounty hunter, whose name I don't think they ever actually reveal. Yeah, because they say, he says at the beginning, I didn't get your name. And then uh, the Tellerate changes the conversation. Yeah, so maybe they just didn't think to name him. I'm gonna I don't know. Call Even him... when his brother shows up, I don't think they name him. I'm going to call him Bounty Jones. Oh, Bounty Jones. <laughs> um, he calls the, the Klingon captain Goroth, and he's like, I'm, I've got your bounty here, and I'm going to take him back to you, and you need to give me your your 9,000 Klingon um, bucks. I, I, wrote, I, wrote, I wrote down, Darsex. Like Darsex. You just took Parsex and you flipped the P around. You did some rotation on it. <laughs> and now you have Darsex. Great. Well, at least they're using Darsex correctly and like Parsex. Yeah, that's fair. Um, at least they didn't make a whole movie trying to cover their asses about the whole Parsec fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Enterprise follows the bounty hunter, but they end up at like a decoy beacon, which is fucking genius, really. That is ingenious. He's a good bounty hunter. He really is. Uh, so they're like, dang it, what are we going to do now? And they're like, shoot it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, destroy it, because I'm mad. What, if I was the bounty hunter, I would have put mines in it. So when you shoot it, mines come out and c- cover the system. Or just, like, paint or something, something stupid and petty. Like oh, yeah. Some something prank. just, like, ruins their ability to go, like, geese fly out into their engines or whatever. Just whatever, space geese. Oh, my God. You do not want a space goose in your engine. No. <laughs> They're indestructible, after all. They survived in space, so... Um... But Archer tries to talk to the Tellerite, and he tells him, you know, my crime was, like, let it, like saving a bunch of refugees... The Tellerite, whose name is Scalar. Scalar. Is like, I don't give a fuck. Like, everybody says they're innocent. What makes you any different? And and I'm like, yay, rhetoric. <laughs> Scalar is um a very poor bounty hunter in that he has a lot of feelings, which is not great for bounty hunting. I, I mean, he's clever, but he cares too much, which, yeah. I mean, who can't relate to that? Archer's like, you know, they're gonna execute me at Aurora Penthe. They're not gonna like give me a four star hotel accommodations like I want. And Scalar's like, oh no, what am I doing? So I don't. They're know. gonna kill the bounty I give to him. Oh no. I don't know if um, if like, if like Tellarites and dwarves are like an exact one to one, but dwarves live like a long fucking time. And I think Tellarites live like two hundred years or something. So like. How I'd play that is, like, some lessons take a while to set in for dwarves. They can be very set in their ways. And if they choose not to think about something, they just don't think about it. (laughs) That's very human. (laughs) Yeah. So it could be, like, it, it it could be that no one has bothered to, like, engage the Tellerite dude on like because uh, Archer heard that they love arguments so it could be he's like it could be particularly leveraging that and he's just like ooh a conversationalist none of the screaming bounties I've brought in have been much for conversation <laughs> there's something like incredibly cool about the fact that this show is a human has been kidnapped by a space dwarf yep. to collect a bounty from a, from a space orc yep 
where he'll go to an orc prison and be executed. Like, there's something super cool about all this space high fantasy. Yeah, I I super dig it. It's um, and it's very um, like, it's very western as well. To, to oh yeah, to have that little exchange. It's hard not to go a little western when you got a bounty hunter. Yeah. But uh, he has a great line where he says, I'm sure you're not a bad person, just very unlucky. I love that. That's like, <laughs> this dude gets a lot of good lines. Like, I can just sort of, I just sort of immediately empathize with him. Maybe He's it's a his, great dude. Maybe it's the beard. Maybe it's the dwarf thing. I just like <laughs> Skalar. Even, even beyond that, he's he's like a very empathetic character because you know he does feel bad that archer's gonna get killed but he has to like he's sort of trapped in the situation now if he doesn't take archer to goroth then he can't collect the bounty which sucks but also if he doesn't take him to him goroth will come and kill him yeah and i i feel like that's a great uh that's a very relatable situation to be like well I need to make money, and when I have that money, I'm going to be able to like either put my life back together or uh, gain stability or something good is going to happen. It it the end the end will justify the means. I just need to get there. Like that to me is a very human thing as a human yeah. who does not have enough money. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I understand. Like as soon as he was like, I need the nine thousand dollars to get my ship back. I was like, man. I fucking feel that, buddy. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Like if you're, if like you had no car, and you, like at the end of this one job there was a car, and you just need to like, I don't know, be minorly involved in the extermination of one human being, you'd flip the coin at least. <laughs> um, also, if you don't, you'll be exterminated. Yeah, those that's are your also, choices. <laughs> that that also keeps him like in the in the realm of being a good guy and not like a neutral guy i feel yeah he's not purely um, self-serving meanwhile back in the b plot we don't want to talk about um <laughs> paul is getting hornier and hornier and trying to meditate but Flox keeps like running his little scanner over her and she gets really fucking mad and tries to get out but Flox locks the door <laughs> and she starts yelling, and she's like, oh, no, I've embarrassed myself. Because the only thing that is more embarrassing than being super space horny for a Vulcan is, like, showing emotion that readily. <laughs> so she's, like, super, like... Yeah, she did a whole yell. Oh, my yell. God. <laughs> I fucking... I yelled. That was so human. Ugh. I actually don't get a lot of Vulcan time in most of the Star Trek I consume, since I'm big into Enterprise and DS9. And there aren't too many Vulcan or characters. TNG, you mean? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there are no Vulcan characters in either of them. Like, the only... You get, like, a little bit of Vulcan in TNG when um, Spock shows up for two episodes. Yeah. Um, but that's mostly about the Romulans. <laughs> yeah. Is that, where, um, is that when Spock, like, dies? <laughs> or something? Um, no. Spock dies in fucking into darkness right like of old age or something or maybe i think he dies in the third one he dies in beyond rip r.i.p rip a legend um i guess it's the best of the three movies he could have died in (laughs) 
I feel, I feel like I made you sad by bringing up Spock's death. I'm sorry. That's fine. He was old. Um, yeah. He was like 300 years old at that point. So yeah, that's fine. Um, my, did I, I don't know if I brought this up uh, before, but my dad actually met uh, Leonard Nimoy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. My dad's uh, my dad's a news uh, local news producer, and Leonard Nimoy hosted like the local Emmys once because he's from around here. Um, and my dad actually got to like go up on stage, shake his hand, and like talk to him for a little bit. That's awesome. So that's was he a great dude? I hear he was. He was an inc- to hear my dad describe him. He was just the most the friendliest, most immediately like understanding and warm person. Like. Yeah, he was a great dude. He is, like, everything I've ever heard about him is that he was a really great dude. And, I mean, this is a guy who, like, everybody hated Shatner's guts after (laughs) Star Trek ended, and he was still friends with him. So he's got an endless, like, (laughs) deep well of goodness that he could drip into whenever he needed to. I think you could just kind of tell he he was a nerd and he loved doing what he did, and he was into his own. He He was into his work, not so much into himself. That's true. I mean, this is a guy who, on his own time, recorded uh, a song about Bilbo Baggins. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't any of us? <laughs> <laughs> that song's a banger, too. It is. So. That was, like, one of the first, like, I, th- I think that was one of the first, like, Flash cartoons I saw was, like, a silly, like, 15-second clip of that. That's was- awesome. <laughs> Classic internet with some Bilbo Baggins with Leonard Nimoy. Hey, bravest little hobbit of them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on scholarship, um, yes. Archer is trying really hard to get him to talk to him. Yep. Uh, but he's just ignoring him, and he's like, he calls up his brother, or he calls up some dude first, and he's like, oh, I got enough money to get the Tezra back. And uh, no, it is his brother. Fuck. What am I talking about? Yeah, there are only two. There are only two. Te- yeah, there's uh, only two tellers. He calls his brother, and the, his brother's like, uh, "Don't call the me." Kling- <laughs> He's like, "The Klingons aren't gonna give you any money, you dumb bitch. Stop calling here." And he hangs up. <laughs> and Archer's the, like, "That's the direct quote." <laughs> <laughs> and Archer's like, kind of like being a little manipulative at this point. And I can't blame him. He is in a cell on his way to get executed. Yeah. So, you know, all is fair. But he's like, so what's what's up with the Tezra? Is that a person? Yeah. And he's like, no, it's my ship. It's the best ship in the world. It's the fastest and the best. And it kick your ship's ass six ways to Sunday, I son. Made, I made the engine myself. It's got rims. It's got it's got a sticker <laughs> on the side that says hang loose with a picture of a kitten. Dude, I, I've got red flames painted on it so it goes four <laughs> times faster. It's a sweet ride, bro. And I'm going to haul freight the most exciting Yeah. Thing. It's a hot rod. I'm going to stick it up to some freight. But um, Scholar is like, I don't want to talk about it. And another ship shows up. And apparently this dude's name is Kago Dar. And he looks like shit. He's just ugly as hell. He looks like an evil wizard from another show. He really does. I'm sure it was makeup they had from, like, fucking, like, I don't know, the Beauty and the Beast TV show or something. They just had it left over. Yeah, and they put put him on a set where he doesn't have to move. (laughs) He can just (laughs) be center frame and not do anything. It's great. 
But he's it's like another bounty hunter that Goroth has sent to kill Skalar and take Archer from him. Which is apparently like cool with like Skalar's like, yeah, that's how it works, I guess. It's well, fine. As long as they give me the nine thousand monies. They're definitely gonna pay me everything I'm owed. <laughs> Even though they sent a guy to kill me. <laughs> this all seems on the up and up. <laughs> but uh, Archer's like, hey, you got you need some help out there, you gotta let me loose. See, and that is like the the Klingon is the worst uh like person to do commission work for because like if you don't do it you're gonna get killed. They're very micromanagey, like if you do do it, there's a chance he'll still kill you just to tie up the loose ends from it. Yeah. I mean Or if you piss him off. I mean <laughs> you you're not even you're not even guaranteed to get paid, which is like why would you take that? <laughs> yeah, I guess Scalar doesn't have much choice. Again. Every time I say that, I think of the Scalar brothers, the comedians. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know them, but I think I just think of him as a gentleman and a Scalar. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but um, Archer like gets let out of his cell, his day glow cell, and he takes the helm. And they use those, like, buoys, those dummy buoys. Yes. The little drones um, to trick Kago Dar into following the wrong one down to the surface. And Kago Dar crashes. And they're, like, really, like, kind of <laughs> like, patting themselves on the bike. Like, fuck, we did it, man. Like, he had to, he had forced landing because he got fucked up. Ha <laughs> ha. And then they sit in silence for a second, and they're like, we're going to have to land, too. We're fucked up, too. Is, so. is Center Square on, uh, like, Star Trek dogfight bingo just flying to the fog, flying to the planet, flying to the nebula? That's Center Square on all space shows, I think. <laughs> but especially Star Trek, it's definitely nebula 99% yeah. of the time. We're going to go right into that nebula, and they can't follow us. My next note is oof that moon set. It's great. It's so awful. It's great. Um, but they do have to land. I just love how specifically they shit on Kago Dar for having to land for repairs. Yeah. And then immediately realize they also have to land for repairs. Yeah. Did you? So I, I'm. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to backtrack. But like, did we get into the whole exchange of let me free so I can fly the ship while you repair it? Oh yeah, that was. I I mentioned that a second ago. I feel what like fuck we glanced, you? I feel like we glanced over that though. Like, oh yeah. That's an interesting contrivance there. That forces them to work together. It's I, true. I, I, I like I like that that's a thing that like you know it 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 it, pu- it pushes these two unlikely souls closer together. Um, oh yeah, there had to have been a point where something beyond their control happened so that they had to work together, and I feel like this works as good as any. But this is also like a a plot where all of the conflict like seemingly comes from without like and not from within like e- everything that happens happens because an outside force suddenly appears to cause more problems and it's just- true this is not the most well-written episode of star trek and uh as witnessed by the fact that half of it is about a girl who really wants to fuck <laughs> yeah yeah, I, but I think if this was a TNG episode and like I don't know Riker got kidnapped or something, 
like by an alien that really likes rhetoric and argument, the whole thing would just be them arguing and them like finding out some universal truth or something. Oh yeah, this episode drops the ball hard <laughs> on the like characterization of Tellarites in general. Yeah, like you learn straight up they argue for fun. They're very like ill-mannered race that like uh, the other races don't like because of the way they act. And then like you think Scalar is just acting like a nice guy to get them to like tricked to be on his ship. But then when he's on the ship, he is a nice guy. He's just being forced to do this by circumstance. Yeah, like he should still be an asshole. Why isn't he an asshole? <laughs> It's because he's 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 like us, man. He's just he is trying to get a little bit of money to make his life a little bit better, like, which is understandable. But if he wanted to be more like us and more like a Tellarite, he should be an asshole about it. Yeah, I feel like if this is our introduction to Tellarites, it's nice that like we meet a slightly atypical one, or at least a more rounded one. I mean. You can have a very rounded character that still meets the requirements of the character type you're creating. Mm. Like, um, Spock is a very well-rounded character for being a character that's not supposed to show emotions. Yeah. And the differences between him and Tuvok are obvious when you watch the two shows. They're two completely different characters, even though they have, they're the same species, they have the same religious code against emotion and they have a lot of the same hobbies even but they're two completely different characters that's harder than just having a guy who's not like a tellerite at all because it's easier to write i think i think we could have gotten like the best of both worlds we could have had a crusty uh like heart like uh, mean tellerite that like eventually does the right thing and does have a harder goal that isn't such a fucking yeah. marshmallow. But That's the thing that would have worked perfectly in this episode. The scene where um, Archer is like, you know, they're going to throw me into Aurora Penthe for this and kill me. It would have worked a million times better if he would have been a gruff dick up until that moment. And then you see that moment where he like kind of looks away. He stops messing with the thing he's working with and he kind of like looks down and then he delivers his line afterwards, like, oh, you're probably not a bad guy. You're just very unlucky, you know, something like that. Like, yeah, you could still have that line. It's just, you need, you need time. And when you have a fucking Vulcan sex comedy happening in the background, <laughs> you don't have that time. Uh, they could have spent the entire episode with the Tellarite Archer, and it would have been a much better episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just have the little C-plot going on at the same time with the ship trying to follow. That's but, all you need. But if this is trying to be, like, a Star Trek that you're, like, hard-scrabbled at, like, you're fucking... I don't know, that the whole CW family can enjoy, like... I, I think that undermines faith in the in your audience. Like, this is trying to serve too many masters. I mean, this episode proves that. I mean, if there were ever two parts to an episode of Star Trek that matched less, it's this episode. It's... It, it, it's a thing that I watched. 
<laughs> but there is something good there. Like as much as as much as like I'm I'm shitting on as much as I'm shitting on it because it is a fucking like trashy dumb piece of fantasy sci-fi. Like I do, I, there you could do something great with it, and that's even more frustrating. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I was just about to say that's the frustrating part that it's good. Half of it is really good and could have been a really great episode. But now like whenever I think back on it, I'm going to be like, "Man, I really love that first Tellerite episode." Oh yeah, that was like the weird like Vulcan sex comedy as well. I forgot. Cuz I completely someone... forgot when I when this episode was on the list that was suggested to us. Yeah. All I could remember was the part with Scalar. And when this episode started and to Paul and Flocks walk into the decan- the decontamination thing and the lights turn blue, I was like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck." <laughs> Eagle-eyed listeners of the show might know that we already covered an episode where weird sex shit happens in the blue room because it's one of the images of me and Josh about to do weird sex shit in the blue room. Eagle-eyed listeners. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up, Kevin. (laughs) No, it works. I'll I'll come onto your show and slap the broom out of your hand. Yeah, meet me on uh, the OGOC pod. We'll talk (laughs) Did you get that? That was a reference to pretend friends, except yeah. it's a mop, so I guess it didn't work. But um, yeah. uh, I feel like it's time for another break. Okay. Uh, we're going to hit you with some messages. We're going to finish out the episode when we come back and then give you our final thoughts and thank yous and all that type of shit. Stick around. So we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. The Legoland King's Castle. You can build this castle and play with it for days. But you've only started. The box shows other ways to build these mighty castles. Where knights and horses stand. Or joust around to have some fun or march across the land. Each day there's adventure. Always something new. And the team that dreams tomorrow up is Legoland in you. There are six more castle sets you can collect. Each sold separately. King's Castle is part of the Legoland Castle Collection and has hundreds of bricks for building. From Lego Systems. Welcome back, folks. Hopefully you'll buy that good and or service. Yeah. If one was advertised, if not, uh, just uh, send us money anyway. Whatever. Yeah, maybe it was a nice vacation to the penal colony of Rurapente. Rurapente. <laughs> so, um, I miss Josh. <laughs> yeah, Josh is... Uh, rest in peace, Josh. Yeah. We miss you. Yeah. Um, you got your stepdad, so they, Kevin. <laughs> so they sit down on the surface of the moon Scalar and Archer sit down on the surface of the moon and they have this like kind of like deep conversation talking about the the Tezra the ship that Scalar is trying to get back and what he loves about it and like the fact that his brother Gavrin was like against trying to get it back and like he's never spoken to him since because of it it's very like it's very heartfelt stuff uh, then he notices Archer's just like randomly ripping <laughs> wires out of us. <laughs> and he's like, What the fuck? You're trying to destroy the ship. And he's like, Why would I work on it? You're taking me to be killed. I love him. I love Scalar. He's such a dummy. He's such a. He really. He's such a cream puff of a guy. <laughs> Even afterwards, he's like, I could shoot you, but I'm not gonna. Getting on a ship. I liked. Um... 
Yeah, he could have shot him because he he says the Klingons will take you dead as well as alive. Um, back on the Enterprise. Uh, T'Pol becomes sexually aggressive. Oh man, is this where the sex shoving happens, or does the shoving happen later? There's a lot of shoving. I think it maybe yeah, it happens later because she's like, I want, I need a physical encounter as my treatment. (laughs) Prescribe me a dick is what she's like, and he's like, no. Um, Trip shows up and he's got food, and Flox is like, oh thanks. Uh, T'Pol comes out and she's she like I fucks trip for a while hey. until she gets the food <laughs> and then she just starts shoving it in her mouth with her hand and trips like what the fuck and trips like hyper turned on by that <laughs> because he's of like course. damn this is weirdly sexual <laughs> damn this lady could eat a salad <laughs> but also is trip the acting captain now essentially um. Yeah, he is. Why the fuck does he have time to deliver food? <laughs> there's only five... There's only, like, six characters on this show, dude. Like, who else is gonna take it? Could security McBritish guy unglue his ass cheeks from that chair no. for a fucking second? And <laughs> the weird thing about this episode is that Meriwether and Hoshi are both in it, yep. and neither of them say anything. I think they both maybe have one line in the entire show. Okay. Yeah, I saw them and I was like, I wish those characters would do or say something. Yeah, me too, for the whole show, <laughs> the whole series. Um, Hoshi is an ensign who um, pretend, who pretty much acts like she's never been through Starfleet training at every opportunity, which is horrifically annoying. So she's reverse um, uh, uh, Will Wheaton. Um. Sorta, I guess. Like, Will Wheaton is super competent for no reason, and she's super incompetent for no reason. So I guess it's right. There you go. She, like... We're told she's an ensign, so she had to have gone through Starfleet training, but she's terrified of space, doesn't know how to operate anything except her console, and is terrible in a firefight. And useless and everything else. Like, well, what training did she go through? Well, to be fair, she probably went through Starfleet training version 0.1, like, alpha channel something. Well, something. so did everybody else then, but they all know all this shit. I mean, you can't teach the swagger. I think the idea is that she, like, was supposed to be, like, a civilian who got, like, drafted in or whatever because she was the best linguist, but they didn't say that. They said she's an ensign. Wait, why do we need a linguist? Because they don't have a universal translator that works correctly yet. Um, do they have a universal translator? They have the makings of one. They're using her findings. Okay, but the Tellarites speak perfect ink. Well, yes. the Tellarite language is readily available. Yeah, Hoshi becomes worthless about three-fourths of the way through season one. Isn't there... Isn't there like a there was a clip going around recently of like a Star Trek in like incarnation where the universal translators f- like flip out and there's a linguist who goes around and translates for everybody and it was pretty cool. Um that might be on the know. the show that's happening now. I don't know. And maybe either. There's a there's a great scene in Star Trek I forget which one where Uhura has to translate Klingon, 
because like they're trying to speak Klingon with no translation effects to <laughs> border guards, and she can barely speak it correctly, even though she can speak like thirty other different space languages fluently. But like Klingons aren't like our allies or anything, so we're not we don't know everything about them. I and she she talks like a toddler basically, like she can't speak it correctly. And the people in the like outpost are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I like that though. I like I, I like it when uh, Star Trek is a little bit messier than it normally is. Like the language thing is usually discarded because there are more interesting problems to have. But in like Darmok, like. That's that's what drives the whole episode is not being able to communicate. And there's there's parts of that where the universal translator stops working and it becomes a plot point. Like in the uh, seminal masterpiece, Little Green Men from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I should really watch that one of these days. <laughs> where the Ferengi gets sent back in time to the 1950s at Roswell. Yep. And uh, their universal translators don't work, so they can't explain themselves. They're just <laughs> aliens to everybody. Yeah, that's great. I love that. That is a great one. Um, anyway, back to this episode. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, um, T'Pol still wants to fuck. Uh, Tucker goes back to the bridge, and they find the planet that Scalar and What's-His-Face, the other bounty hunter, landed on. Mm-hmm. But only the other bounty hunter is left, and they hail him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that other asshole took my bounty. He's halfway to Klingon space by now. And uh, our hero, Trip Tucker, says, uh, let's go to Klingon space. Like, wouldn't it be more suspenseful if we didn't have this C-plot where they just do the correct thing for 15 seconds at a time? And we don't really know what's happening with Enterprise, and like Archer doesn't know, and it's there's some uncertainty oh, yeah. there. <laughs> I agree with you uh, entirely. If anybody is getting a weird tone in their headphones right now that they can't explain, uh, there's an air siren going on in the distance here. Oh, I can't hear it. That's uh, yeah. Scary. It's just barely audible enough that my mic is picking up the slight tone of it. Are you? Are the? Are the? Are the Germans like flying their Luftwaffe over here? Like I guess, dude. Like <laughs> they finally made it. It took that long to get across the ocean. There's a bit of a breeze, and it kind of. <laughs> <laughs> off course. Anyway, um. Scalar needs to meet up with his brother to get a part for the ship. The ship that they're on now is like fucked up. It doesn't have an antimatter injector. You need it. So, um, his brother Gavrin is like, I bet you don't have any way to pay for it either, do you? And Scalar's like, I'm gonna get this big old bounty. See, look, it's Archer. He's he's got a big bounty, right? Archer, tell him, tell him, best friend, tell him. <laughs> and and I- Archer. Obviously, is like fuck yourself. It's so great. It just gives him the saddest like, yeah. man. I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> but he's like, Gavin's like, dude, you're not gonna get the Tezra back because the Klingons like took everything out of it that yeah. was worth anything. They're gonna give you like a Hulk with nothing in it. It's like, bro, and you, he's, he's like, oh my go. god, oh my god, dude. And Gavin's like, you can take the injector, but I never want to see you again. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. It's 
some harsh. Damn, shit. that's harsh as fuck, Gavrin. I mean, harsh but fair. Like that's true. I mean, I completely understand it, but <laughs> like, um, Archer's like, even if you get, even if everything goes according to plan right now, you're not gonna get your ship back. So why the fuck are you gonna turn me in? It's Scalar's like, cause they'll fucking kill me, dude. Are you joking? <laughs> He's like, I, maybe not. It seems there's no way out of this until... Maybe, maybe I've got a plan. <laughs> maybe I, the resourceful quantum leap man, have a great plan. <laughs> and it's very simple. All we need is this very specific device that ends up being <laughs> totally cool. But uh, back on the Enterprise... Yes. Uh, to Paul... Like, Phlox has made an an injection, like an injecting treatment, and she doesn't want it. She turns into, like, a feral Vulcan, I guess. Yep. And he tricks her into trying to open the... Why am I even describing this part? Like, fucking... She wants to fuck... Phlox doesn't. She wants to get out, and uh, she knocks Phlox out and gets out. You could just... you You could just totally not end that plot and just end it with she gets out. And not explain anything to the listeners right now. Whatever you imagine happens after that is way more interesting than what actually happens after that. It's like, uh, fuck, what was the name of that movie? Species? With the fuck monster from oh, space? yeah, yeah. That's basically what happens. Or, they, like, um, chase her around the spaceship, and she's like, uh, give me a penis. It's <laughs> exactly what she sounds like. <laughs> And everyone puts on their everyone puts on their least sexy spacesuits. Yeah, to go apprehend her. She's running around and like fucking. She's talking. Have you ever seen the movie Look Who's Talking? <laughs> she's talking like the nightmare toilet from Look Who's Talking. Like, give me a pee pee. We're talking about pee pee. <laughs> and that's the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly what happens. You don't need to watch this. <laughs> So they, like, chase her around, and, like, they knock her out. They shoot her with a fucking stun yeah, gun, and yeah, that's the end of her they story. They chase her around the same ten feet of set that they have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Skullar puts some handcuffs on Archer, and Klingon Captain Goroth shows up. Yep. And he and fucking he, pushes our boy Skullar into his pots and pans. Yeah. So all fucking, his pots and pans rattle. Wow, they could have fallen on the floor and gotten dirty again. I just washed those I know. on my spaceship. So rude. But also, I lo- <laughs> like looking at those pots and plants, I'm like, does this guy have Stir Friday? Like, does he make a big gumbo? <laughs> like, like does he does he like live on the ship? Does he have like a sink and a bathroom and shit? Like, what is is this an RV? Yeah. What is this? Is he a meal prepper? Like the the he has these giant pots and pans. Like, is he making like a big thing of fucking chili that he's he's like like whipping out that walk and it's all walk all the time this dude's fucking the joy of walking and his ship dude i'm so glad we got to the pots and pans note because like i fucking circled it three times being like we have to talk about the fact that this fucking uh tellerite bounty hunter has pots and pans on his ship this dude's dude's got like a cookbook out you can get today scalar can cook and Anyway, Goroth is like, here's your 6,000 Darsacks. And he's like, but you promised me 9,000. He's like, did I? Yeah, and like, he he almost completely turns into a marshmallow peep, the face that Yeah, he's, he's like, oh, I guess not. 
I can't afford my destroyed old ship now. <laughs> but uh, Archer, like, they put him in a holding cell, and Archer has the classic lockpick in his teeth. Oh, man. But it's inside of the handcuffs that he's put in, which are also, it's also a fucking, like, blackjack or something like that. Yeah, well, he uses it like one for sure. It's, it's like got everything. It's got like a little door opening mini bomb in it. Yeah. It's got the lock pick. It's You can use it like a hammer. Yeah, you can fucking hit a dude in the back of the head with it. it that part was awesome. I loved yeah, that. He, his escape is literally fighting one Klingon and then jumping down a tube. He does a cool, <laughs> he does a cool like a bunch of Klingons are running out of, and he like gets on the floor and does a bunch of shooty shoots. Like, yeah, he, he does like a uh, half a combat roll and yeah. ends up laying on the ground and shoots. <laughs> so dumb, dude. That's that's all you get for for what Scott Bakula is being paid to do. It's true. He's like, it's not my quantum leap days anymore. This is all I'm doing. But uh, the Enterprise shows up because Scalar apparently gave them the Klingon ship's position. Like, he called him and he was like, sorry, guys. Here's where to go to get him. Bye. <laughs> I mean, he's our, he's our good marshmallow boy. Yeah, he's such a peep. He's a peep of a man. He's a peep of a man, and I love him. And he should but, never have hunted. Like, he, he, he should at least be part of a bounty hunting team where he is yeah. the good cop and someone else is the bad cop. He's just, he's not the good cop or the bad cop now. He's just the really bad bounty hunter. <laughs> but, uh, like, they show up and um, Archer has escaped with an escape hatch pod and um, they pick it up and dis- disable Goroth's ship at the same time. Which, yep. it's important to note that they had a lot of trouble fighting a Klingon ship last time they ran up against it. But not this time. They figured it out, I guess. Well, the, the Klingon uh, captain, I guess, very loudly proclaims that they aren't going to charge their stupid weapons, which they don't need, because only losers charge weapons. Yeah, and we don't sh- need to charge our weapons because we're too strong. <laughs> we'll just fucking flex at them and they won't want to come in here. Charging weapons is for babies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we go back to the ship, and T'Pol has been treated, and she's not space horny anymore. And we'll and never says, talk about it. <laughs> Flock says, I won't put this in my records, which is literally a breach of Starfleet security in every way, shape, and form, but I'm not going to put it in my records. Great. And uh, Archer's new best friend, Scalar, calls him on his cell phone and says, Good luck, Archer. I love you. <laughs> And, you know, the CGI at the end with the whole grappling hook picking up the picking up the escape pod, it was actually all right. And I, 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 I love that it's like a child's bow and arrow with, like, the little, like, suction tip and yeah. the line on it. It's like, thunk. <laughs> and it just yanks it. It looks really dumb. Like, anytime Star Trek ships do anything, like, physically, it looks really stupid. <laughs> Like, you can shoot lasers and send out deflector rays or whatever, but when you shoot, like, a grappling hook... Well, part of the problem is space is boring. Like, one of the principles of animation is, like, uh, secondary action, like, showing the weight of something moving. And you can't do that in space, just like Although they do it quite often. Yeah. (laughs) Because it has to look like something, like, that a human would recognize. Yeah. 
and tell a story. It's like, um, oh man. And, and important for later episodes, we learn uh, through Scalar that Archer's bounty is for sure going to get doubled yeah. after he's escaped. Archer has a huge price on his head at this point that Goroth is for sure going to pay about half of. You'd think they'd swap him out for, like, you think Starfleet would swap him out for a different captain just to save us all some time. Starfleet probably has no fucking clue at this point. Like, <laughs> they're sending, like, radio waves back to Earth. They're finding out, like, six months later what happened. Throw a, throw a mustache and a prosthetic forehead on him and just be like, he's our new guy, Bowman. He, he's a Blablockian... <laughs> Um, it's important don't have mustaches. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, it's important to note that Gor- uh, Captain Goroth, the Klingon soldier, uh, is just like Koloth, and they just put a different word at the beginning. Yeah. Because Koloth is one of the first Klingons in Star Trek. Um, I like that there's naming conventions amongst r- different races. I find that interesting. Yeah, Goloth, like, Koloth, Shmoloth, Broloth. Broloth is really fucking cool, dude. dude. You meet him at the gym, he's got all the best shakes. Dude, he's chill. He's a chill <laughs> he's a chill Klingon. Me, it's me Broloth, dude. Dude, you need to borrow some Darsex? You got it, bro. Damn, Broloth, you chill. <laughs> there's a gr- there's a great exchange that is on the memory alpha, of course, under the quotes. Yep. Which is to Paul talking to flocks and she says I'm hungry yes. and he says our meals will be here soon and she's like I wasn't referring to food she, I was referring to dick she's bone hungry yeah <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god wow someone wrote that and was like and was like is that the best we can do in this brainstorming session and the answer was yeah that was the best they could do in that brainstorming session <laughs> They, <laughs> they wrote that, right? And they were like, does that get my bone hungry like she is? Yeah, it does. What's the sexiest word for sex? Mating. Hung- <laughs> mating. What's the sexiest way to talk about wanting to have sex? Being hungry. That's it. <laughs> for bones. Hungry for bones. Bones. <laughs> Oh, uh, fun fact. John Larricut fun fact of the week for you. Yay. Um, Kago Dar is played by Gowron, High Chancellor of the Klingon Empire. How interesting. It's uh, Robert O'Reilly. I do love Gowron. Gowron, there's a gif of Gowron, like, uh, pressing a button on the the Enterprise D's, like, captain's chair repeatedly over and over and then slowly screaming <laughs> and it is so fucking funny that like when I'm having a bad day I just think about it and it cheers me up <laughs> alright I gotta find that one <laughs> he's just like shame and dishonor on your house <laughs> I fucking love him um man what what's wh- all right so you said so i'm i'm sorry i have to catch up on m class but you said this was part of a series what's what what was the theme here uh the theme for the series was being kidnapped oh okay interesting 
Yeah, where the fuck have you been, Kevin? Dude, I've fucking been out for a little while. I'm building up that fucking backlog. I've been listening the, to a lot of Jeff and Josh shoot the shit, all right? That's my I new guess jam. That's, that's what matters. And if you want to listen to Jeff and Josh shoot the shit, you can head on over to patreon.com slash mclasspodcast. That's patreon.com slash mclasspodcast. And for as low as $1 a month, you too can get some of that good, good content. Oh, there's another Patreon you should visit, and that's Jeff's Patreon. And that's oh, my yeah. plug. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for using your one plug that you're allowed by law I only to get plug one. my Patreon. I only get one. I'm going to throw it at Jeff's uh, new Patreon, because I really love Inksburg, and Inksburg has been very Thank good. you. And it's been that's... insanely detailed so Aww. far. I'm, I'm so fucking impressed. Like, Kevin, thank you. You're too sweet. Um... That's uh, that's over at inksburg.com, I-N-K-S-B-U-R-G.com. It's a funny animal comic, webcomic I'm doing. That funny is, animal noir. Yeah, it's a noir detective story starring Looney Tunes-style characters, basically. And it's just as wacky and silly as you think it would be. And, and if you want to support me specifically in all my projects, you can go to patreon.com slash jeff. Pennington. Ooh, Ooh you and got you got the you got the Jeff Pennington. That's Jeff, right. Jeff the Pennington, sp- the other Jeff Pennington, didn't steal it from, from out from out underneath you. No, not this time. The special education teacher from Virginia does not have a Patreon. It turns out, so I got it. Yeah, this was the abduction collection, which was um, Boston Sean's suggestion. Of course. Of course. Oh, Boston Sean's got the remembers me the good ideas. <laughs> Thanks, man. He knows a thing or two about the Star Trek, that Boston Sean. We just call him That's Sean true. up here. Up, up there in your Boston, he's just Sean. You yeah. all know who you're talking about when you say yeah, that. There's, <laughs> like, there's only one Sean in Boston, obviously. There of are course. thousands of them. <laughs> Sean. Um... This episode as a whole, I think we've described fairly well that it is half of a really good episode with some missed opportunities and half of a really embarrassing episode that's also boring on top of it. I feel like we got half of a great episode, but not the good half of that great episode. That could be true. (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. Um, we're not prudes on this show. As you may have noticed, we talk a lot about dicks and vajayjays. Yeah. Um, you can have sexual content as much as you want. You just have to have some kind of class about it. It's Star Trek. It's not... Girls gone wild. I mean, uh, like, as far as, like, sexual content in this episode goes, like... Everyone respects everyone else's sexual autonomy for the most part, like I mean, barring any sex insanity. <laughs> like, it's it's weird. I'm not sure. This I, th- is a, I think I'm not sure. I'll I stand think, by this one as like the most sex positive episode. No. Well, I mean, like, if you want a crash course in the problem with this episode, go and watch the episode where Spock goes through Ponfar. And I'm forgetting the name of that episode right now. Yeah. But Spock goes through Ponfar, and he is treated with a billion times more respect than T'Pol is as a character. Oh. He doesn't rip his shirt off and rub gel all over it. We don't see see Spock's under thigh being slapped up with sex gel. (laughs) 
He doesn't try and force himself on Nurse Chapel or Bones at all in well, the whole episode. Not until the fanfic. No. Well, I don't know if there was a whole lot of shipping with Spock and Bones. It was all Kirk and Spock. Well, I'm sure there's something out there. Probably. I'm sure. Um, yeah, this was a this was an episode that had I'm glad, we, I'm glad we keep inviting you back for like the worst ones we can find. <laughs> Cuz this is prob- no, this is the second worst episode in this collection. The Voyager episode was worse. Well, that sounds about right. <laughs> I definitely like if you guys if you guys do the Tellerite collection, give me a fucking call. I don't I th- even know if we could fill a collection with the episodes that have Tellerites in it. I'm I'm definitely gonna like if I do watch any more Enterprise, which I don't. I mean, it's only four seasons, right? So can't yeah, be that hard. It's it's fairly short, but uh, Enterprise isn't bad. I remember when I first started this show, M class. That is when I first started M class. Mm. I thought that um, Enterprise was like the the worst. I thought Voyager was better than Enterprise because I hadn't invested a whole lot of time in Enterprise and I'd only seen shitty episodes. Um, Upon upon going through Enterprise more heavily, Mm. it is a better show than Voyager. (laughs) I gave Voyager a solid try, but I I didn't really respond to any of those characters. And now that I look at Enterprise again... The character that I responded to the most was clearly just a bit part for this one episode. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The uh, he has a lot more personality than most anybody else in the episode, which is not great. Not a great way to write your show. Well, again, I think I'm just gonna look up look up what episodes have Tellerites in them and. <laughs> You should go back and look at the TOS Tellerites. They're delightful. <laughs> it's so low budget. They tried their hardest. They're like, we need to make pig aliens, and we need them to look like menacing. How do we do it? I thought the makeup for the noses in Enterprise was really good. On, oh on the yeah, Tellerites. like they look great. Actually, the way they look in Discovery isn't all that bad. They're just a lot more boar-like. Oh, okay. Um, and a little bit, uh, the way everything in Discovery is, they're, like, edgier looking. Like, uh, they have, like... Two dicks. Probably. <laughs> I imagine all aliens have two dicks, and they're all like, you should hear about the humans? What the fuck? <laughs> How do they live? <laughs> like, that's sad. Only one dick? Wow. Wait, do we ever see a lady Tellerite? Do Tellerites have ladies? I don't think we ever see a lady Tellerite. I think it's like a dwarf thing, probably, where like you can't. There's no like gender dimorphism. Oh yeah, you could see you could see a lady Tellerite, and not now. That, that yeah, I feel like that's a one way to do it. <laughs> I mean, that would make them the only species in Star Trek that has that. Yeah, well, there is the no. There's the planet of no gender. That's true, but they they still had dimorphism. It was just. They didn't acknowledge. Yeah, they didn't have the social construct of it. You're right. You're right. Yeah, they got. They have like tusks coming out of the sides of their mouth. And um, oh, there is a female Tellerite in the Mirror Universe and Discovery. <laughs> of course, my favorite universe, the Mirror Universe. Yeah, the the one that makes only good stories to read <laughs> and and watch. That's uh, that's my favorite Futurama gag is. 
I think that's like the first fucking first or second episode when they go and see the edge of the universe and they see the other universe and it's exactly the same except everybody has cowboy hats. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, a great gag. And Fry says, "Wow, so there are infinite other universes, huh?" And Farnsworth says, "Nope, just the one." <laughs> <laughs> Which they completely retcon later yeah. because they fall through all the different universes with the different versions of them. It's still a great line, though. It is a great gag. Nope, just the one. Nope. <laughs> You're either in this universe or the one with all the cowboy hats. That's f- good writing. <laughs> I feel like we've talked this episode to death and also talked about everything but this episode a lot. That's what you get. That's fine. Um... Kevin, why don't you tell people of the internet where they could find you, what projects you're working on, and how they can support you? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Kevin Cole. I make video games and podcasts. Uh, I do a podcast with Jeff called the Original Characters Podcast, um, which you can find on Twitter at OGOC Pod. Did I do it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's on SoundCloud as well at OGOC Pod. It stands for Original Original Characters. Take no substitutes. Uh, every episode we. Uh, jump to a different fandom and invent our own uh, original characters in that fandom. We recently did DuckTales uh, and we're, we're going to do, we're going to keep doing it. (laughs) The next episode after this one that you'll hear about is going to guest star Josh as well. Josh Henderson. You may have heard of him from previous episodes of M class. Yeah. I'm excited Uh, to be on a podcast with him. It's a, <laughs> it's our Longmire episode, yeah. and if you don't know what Longmire is, it's Baby Boomer's Wet Dream with Cowboys, it's, so send them in. It's 24 with more deep breaths. It's true. Uh, I also uh, am on a podcast called Pretend Friends. We recently wrapped up our second season, and uh, that is a uh, actual play tabletop podcast that uses a system that I developed uh, and also my friend Hadley St. Clair system and they DM and uh, the second season ends good. If you like it, watch pretend friends, please. And pretend friends is on Libsyn and is on YouTube as well. If you Google pretend friends, you'll find it. You are way better at this than me. (laughs) Uh, What is the Twitter for pretend friends Uh, at pretend underscore friends? I, I believe so. I think. I think. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, I'm Kevin. on Twitter. I'm at real Kevin Cole. Uh, if you go there, you can find my games because it's on. It's it's that. Or you can go to supertrystudios.com. That's where you can find all my games. I just released a game called uh, Script Ship, which is a chill programming game, and Jeff did the title art. Um, I, I feel. It was a great game. Uh, it's like a space shooter, but you control the ship through programming inputs that you can switch between on the screen. It's super fun, and it is very chill. It is super chill. I really liked making it, and I really love Jeff's title screen art because it's very good. I actually love the title screen art as well. It turned out very well, and I really like the game as well. Um, if yeah. you'd like to support Kevin financially, you can go to supertrystudios.com. Yes, and buy and hack. That's my purchase game. hack. That's yes, for sale. I should probably make H-A-Q-U-E. more games. H a q u e. That's it. You should make more games that cost money. I yeah. should make more games. I think. Um, I think Scriptship is uh, Super Try's tenth game that I've released, and only one of my games costs money. So I should yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a bad business model, <laughs> sir. It's not good at all. I'm working on it. I'm cooking us something up. That's good. Is it going to cost money? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm working on the Space Kings book, and I'm going to sell that for money. Hell yeah, I'll buy a copy of that. Um, yeah, that's me. That's Kevin Cole. Thank, thank you for sticking around to the end. I know I'm not Josh, but I had fun, and I think you guys are good. Kevin, you saying you're not Josh is like uh, the flavor type sweetness apologizing for not being the flavor type spicy. You're two different delicious flavors that you need. Wow. That that spoke to me. It's deep. Food metaphors. Deep. <laughs> but Josh, please come back. This is too he hard. will be back. He will be back next episode. He's just a little under the weather this time, and uh, he's for sure going to be back next time. He's actually going to edit this episode anyway, so thank you for that, Josh. Thanks, Josh. And uh, if you'd like to follow M-Class on Twitter, you can find us at M-Class Podcast. And if you'd like your email read on the air in our other show, M-Class Email, you can shoot us an email to mclassemail at gmail.com, all singular. And, uh, of course, you can follow me at underscore Jeff Pennington. You can head over to inksburg.com, read my comic. It's a really fun webcomic, and I think you guys would enjoy it. It's very goofy and fun. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody who tuned in today, listened to this podcast with Kevin, the sweet taste to my salty. I was the Kevin. I was the this voice. That I was this voice, Jeff. Cool. And, uh... I appreciate all of our patrons who've um, put money down for whatever the hell this is. I appreciate all you guys. I'm a patron. Yeah, and you're on the show. Maybe it could happen to everybody. It won't. Oh, God. (laughs) I thought this was a $2 reward. (laughs) $2 reward. (laughs) Fill in for Josh. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you in one week with more M-Class goodness. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm mentally ill.